It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Time to turn on the Shark Spotlight. In the spotlight today, Sharks captain Logan Couture. Logan, this is a series where we get to know you away from the rink as much as we do inside the rink. So why don't we start from the very beginning? Where were you born? I was born in Guelph, Ontario. It's about uh, 45 minutes uh, outside of London. We know that becoming a professional athlete and rising to the very top in any individual sport makes you a very unique individual. But yet, at the same time, you're just like the rest of us. So why don't you tell us about your family background? Sure. Um, yeah, my dad My dad was a, a police officer and a firefighter, um, but he also had about seven or eight other jobs as we, we were growing up. He ran hockey tournaments. Uh, he made hockey nets. He refed in the National Lacrosse League, um, so we would travel and, and watch him do that. But uh, he kept busy, and my mom was a, a high school phys ed teacher until a few years ago, and, and she just retired. But I ended up going to, to school as uh, the same one that she taught at, so that was a, a cool experience. And I, I have a brother that's two years younger than me, and he works uh, back in, in London at the LCBO Warehouse. From listening to that, I get the impression that you learned a lot about work ethic from your dad, and you learned a lot about dedication to fitness and to education from your mom. Yeah, exactly. They were both athletes. My dad played lacrosse and hockey, and my mom uh, played almost everything, basketball, lacrosse. Um, she skated. Uh, she didn't play hockey, but uh, both both are, were extremely athletic, and um, I think that's part of the reason why I was able to get where I am. I want to stick to your mom, Lori's family for a second, Logan, because a lot of people aren't aware that the Lemon family, your mom's family, has a major, major connection to the world of lacrosse. Why don't you tell us about it? Sure. So my grandpa um, is in the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. He was a very good lacrosse player in Owen Sound. Um, and then my mom's brother, my uncle, played in the National Lacrosse League, I think, for 12 years and now he is the uh, vice president of the league. So, um, yeah, lacrosse was was big in my family. I only played a couple of years when I was younger. I, I actually enjoyed baseball a little bit more. Uh, I think that uh, that was heartbreaking for my grandpa to see, but uh, I, I still do enjoy watching lacrosse and playing at the odd time. Isn't it interesting, Logan, to note that a good number of NHL players have played a, a decent amount of lacrosse? Remember, Adam Oates played a lot of box lacrosse. He played in the NHL for a couple of decades, and you've got that lacrosse background. John Tavares from the Toronto Maple Leafs also does. You need to have a similar hand-eye coordination in both sports, don't you? I think so, yeah. I mean, you'll find a lot of Canadian players play, um, you know, guys around London or, or Sarnia or even Toronto. Um, they've, they've got some teams there, and uh, I, I know a lot of guys uh, around my age that did play lacrosse. I'm not sure about the, the younger generation, but uh, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a very difficult game to play. It takes skill. It's a tough game, box lacrosse. Um, so it is similar to hockey. 
On the flip side of that, Logan, one of the most difficult things to do, it's said, is to try to hit a baseball that's been thrown at you by a major league pitcher. When did you take up baseball, and about what time did you realize that you were a pretty good baseball player? Uh, I was young. Um, I just loved, I love the Blue Jays, still do. And, um, you know, I was three and four when they won the, the back-to-back World Series. So I'm sure that kind of propelled me into uh, loving the game even more. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know that I was uh, that great of a, a baseball player until I got to be about 10 or 11. And um, I made the, the highest team you can make in, in London. And uh, I had to really decide um, what I was going to end up doing, if I was going to stick with hockey or, or play baseball. And um, ended up quitting baseball at 14 and stuck with hockey, and uh, it's worked out all right. How hard a decision was that? It was tough. Um, it was very tough. I remember talking to my dad and my mom both about it. and um, It was just hockey was going to be a full year type of thing, and uh, there just wasn't any time for, for baseball. And uh, they just said, you know, you got to make a decision. You, unfortunately, you can't play both right now. And um, whatever one you want to play with will be fine uh, with, with it either way. And uh, I just stuck with hockey. When an NHL player is coming up through the ranks in hockey, he's usually the best player on his team and oftentimes the best player in his league. When did that start to happen for you? Um, well, when I was growing up, actually, I played a couple years with, uh, with Drew Doughty uh in london he was definitely better than i was so for for a bunch of years i wasn't uh our best player but uh, we had a very good team we uh we would always end up in in the finals and in a lot of tournaments and we play against the marlies who had sam gagne uh, pk subin john Tavares, a whole list of nhl players so we had some good games against those guys and um you know around that time i figured that hockey I, i figured that i could go somewhere with hockey Well, I've seen this firsthand. I know you're very good friends with Drew Doughty, and you do take the time to say hello to him when you're not playing in a game occasionally. Tell us about that friendship and how it's evolved over the years. Yeah, it's been unique. Um, You know, we were were very close when when we were younger, and, um, you know, it came with playing playing together, and um, our our families were were close and, and still are to this day. But, uh, yeah, when we started to play the Kings, you know, those – years in a row in the playoffs it uh it got heated i mean uh we wanted to to beat each other so badly but uh we've gotten back to i mean we work out at the same gym and i see him almost every day in the summer so it's uh it's easy to to be friendly with him he's he's such a an easy going fun loving guy and um definitely have a lot of fun with him hey it's bragging rights right when you go back to work out together in the summer it's who bested the other in the season yeah exactly how old were you when you started playing hockey? I think I was three when I started skating. Um, my dad would or mom would take me out to, to open ice anywhere and in the area. And um, sometimes I, there wouldn't be many, many other people out there. So I was able to take a stick and, and shoot a puck around. Um, I think I was probably four or five when I actually started to play organized hockey. Of course, during that time period, you were also playing all of these other sports. And didn't you take part in the run, hit and throw competition with the Toronto Blue Jays at one point? I did. Um, it was the hit run throw competition. I don't know if they still do it anymore, but uh, it was a cool idea. They start locally. So you, you go to these events and it's basically how far you can throw an accurate and how far you can hit off a tee and how quick you can run the bases. So it's, it's pretty simple. Um, but I, I would, I won the local one and then I went to a bigger, uh, bigger one the next like, two weekends after that. And I ended up making it to the national one. So I represented Ontario 
and uh, back to back years, I was able to to win it. It was hosted at the at the Sky Dome and got to hang out uh, around some Blue Jays, which was uh, a lot of fun. Who was your favorite Blue Jays player, by the way? I I, mean, I loved everyone um, growing up over the years. Vernon Wells, um, Tony Fernandez, Roberto Alomar, uh, mostly middle infielders, but uh, on the car, I mean, Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, guys like that, um, Ricky Romero. So I had a lot of, a lot of favorite Jays. Since we're talking about other sports, it's pretty well known that you're a huge Buffalo Bills fan, but do you think you're qualified to be a member of Bills Mafia? Yes, I put myself in the Bills Mafia, although I have never gone through a table. Uh, I've only been to one game in Buffalo, which is, I need to change that, but it's tough because our seasons, the schedules overlapped. And the only time I was able to go was during the lockout in 2012. I saw a game there, but uh, actually we were fortunate last year in, uh, in Nashville, we flew in um, from Anaheim and we, we were able to, to get a suite and go to the Bills, um, Tennessee Titans game and the Bills won, which was sweet. So yeah, I'm I'm a, I think I'm a part of Bills Mafia. I'll be uh, I'll be watching them in the playoffs here. I'm I'm dying to see them win a game. London, Ontario, isn't exactly a suburb of Buffalo. So how did you become a Bills fan? My uncle um, was a massive Bills fan, and I think during the '90s when they went to those four straight Super Bowls, I was growing up, and I just gravitated to the Bills. And uh, I, I'm fortunately I I don't remember going through the heartbreak of them losing four in a row, but. Uh, um, I think that's probably how it happened because my dad's a Cowboys fan. Um, so I think I just took after my uncle. We've talked a lot about the other sports that you play, Logan, and I wonder if that makes any impact on on your current career. Does playing all of these other sports make you a better hockey player? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I, I tell kids or I tell parents I talk to all the time, uh, let your kids play multiple sports. I think if they focus on one, you can burn, you can get burnt out or you can burn a kid out and, um, you know, year-round hockey is a lot, and it's a lot to to uh, pay for and to think about for the player. Um, so for me, I enjoyed the the couple months that I had off um, and played in other sports. I, you know, I played almost everything, but I didn't play soccer. So um, everything helped uh, to kind of learn new games and think different games through. Um, it, it, it'll all relate back to, to hockey as well. And so your next stop, Logan, was the OHL and the Ottawa 67s and Coach Brian Kilray. And I wanted to ask you about that decision because in the U.S., a lot of very good young hockey players have to make this choice at age 16. And that is, go to the OHL or one of the other CHL teams and play major junior hockey or forego that so they can accept a college scholarship to play in the NCAA at the highest level of college hockey. Was that ever a consideration for you or was it the OHL all the way? Um, I think it was, it was OHL all the way. I mean, I grew up watching the London, the London Knights and um, going to many, many OHL games. So I, I always wanted to play in that league. I mean, it, it is tough. You, you know, you get drafted. And then for me, Ottawa was a six hour drive from London and I had never really spent time away from my, my parents or my family before. So, it was a big step at that young age, but uh, I was very, very lucky. I had extremely awesome billet parents, and I lived with a couple of the older players. Derek Joslin was one of them my first year, so that really, really helped, and I settled in, and um, people at the school that we went to were super, super nice to us, and the teachers all, all helped out, so it made it a lot easier. 
One thing's for sure, the OHL is a lot closer to the pro style of game than anything else in amateur hockey. You're hours away from home, living with a billet family who's taking care of all of your basic needs. You still have to go to high school, and you're playing a pro schedule. Tell us about how you balance that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we had some road trips where we would leave on a Thursday morning, so you're missing school Thursday and Friday because you're going on a three-game road trip where you're playing Thursday, Friday, Sunday afternoon, and you've got to try and get your homework beforehand so you know what you're doing and then and do it on the bus or whenever you get a spare second in the in the hotel, um, you know, between practice or whatever. So it, it was difficult. Um, I, I took a class off each semester to kind of – lessen the load of, of schoolwork and, and uh, ended up going a half year extra to make up for that. But uh, I think it was worth it. So tell me about Brian Kilray and why he's such a special person in your life. Yeah. Um, Killer. I owe a lot of my growing up to, uh, to Killer. Um, you know, he demands respect. Um, you know, I could sit here and tell a million killer, killer stories, but, uh, one that just always pops into my head is we would always go to restaurants that the that killer would uh, set up for us before games and have our pregame meal, and we weren't allowed to uh, to leave the the restaurant until we thanked every single one of our servers, and every single player had to to thank each one. Just uh, that that's just who killer was. He he wanted you to respect and be thankful, and uh, it sticks with me to till today. It's during these years with the Ottawa 67s that you started to think about becoming a professional hockey player more seriously. And I just wanted to know, when did NHL scouts start to show real interest in you? You know, what? I, I, back then there, there was no social media. There was no um, nothing like that. So uh, I, my agent did a good job as well of, and my parents of not really talking about it um, or bringing it up or pointing it out. I mean, you obviously know there's going to be scouts at, at all your OHL games and um you know I guess a buzz started to start after my first year I had a good rookie season and uh you know they put out the rankings I think like the preseason rankings and they actually had me at number one so that's when I started to feel a little bit of the the pressure from from that and um ended up going going ninth uh, to the Sharks so it ended up uh working out all right how do you live up to that kind of pressure yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's, it comes with, with the game though. Um, you know, I expect a lot out of myself as a hockey player, as a person. Um, so everyone deals with pressure. I mean, our, our pressures in a, in a sport. So there's a lot, to, a lot tougher pressure to deal with, uh, in the world than that. We're pretty lucky to, to get to do what we do, uh, on a daily basis. We play the best game in the world and, uh, our, our pressure is to perform up to our, our abilities. And, um, that's what we're expected to do. You're listening to the Shark Spotlight on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. We continue our conversation with Sharks captain Logan Couture. Logan, with all of the ups that you have in your career, there are also some downs. And certainly not being invited to the World Junior Team to represent your country has to be one of them. Yeah, that was uh, that was devastating um, for me. The, the tournament was in Ottawa, where I was playing at the time, so... Uh, and I didn't even get invited to the to the camp, um, so I was very upset. And being obviously a high draft pick, and uh, the odd time, I'll I'll you know think back at that and look at maybe look at the roster of guys that played on that World Junior team and, and didn't end up making it to the NHL. Um, but uh, you know they won a gold medal, so uh, they obviously did something right in picking the team. So now you're drafted by the Sharks and you come to your first training camp and you walk into that locker room and there are people like Joe Thornton and Patrick Marto and Rob Blake and Dan Boyle, 
all in that room, all professionals, and as a hockey fan, somebody that you watch play for a lot of years. Give us an idea of what that experience was like and uh, how much those players have meant to you. Yeah, I was, uh, my first game in Philadelphia, I was very, very nervous, uh, especially walking into that locker room, but uh, every single person was so open and um, warm to me and, and super nice. You know, Jumbo was, you know, he's loud, typical Jumbo fashion, but uh, a guy, you know, like Rob Blake, who I remember watching for years as a kid, he was one of my dad's, one of his favorite players. And uh, I just loved the way that, that Blake, he played hockey. And that was the the one where I was like, oh my God, okay, if he passes it to me, I got to catch every single one. Like I can't make Rob Blake look bad. So that was just a, a cool experience. Um, and I've tried to uh, to treat some of our younger or newer players the same way that I was treated because that's the way that uh, this organization, they've done it here in, in Jumbo and Patty and Pavs and Ryan Klo and Danny Heatley when he was, he was here, Boiler, Cranky, all those guys were extremely nice to me. So I was very lucky. Didn't those guys teach you a lot about the entire process and about how maybe sometimes it's doing the simple things over and over again that make you the most successful? Oh, absolutely. I mean, work ethic was the number one thing that Joe Thornton does the best. He and Joe Pavelski, they work extremely hard every single day at practice. They don't take a practice off. And I think that's what separates those guys from, you know, the the other level of NHL players is how hard they actually practice. And um, for us, they set the tone every single day. They showed up to work and um, they got out on the ice early. So when your best players are your best practice players and they're working the hardest, I think that sets the tone for the, the rest of the team that uh, they got to follow uh, in those footsteps and work just as hard, if not harder. You're the captain of the team now. What do you think in your estimation is the key to being a good leader in the NHL? Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, you know, the, the game has changed. The players in the game have changed. Um, you know, so I think you have to, you know, it's, it's being a good teammate you, you have to spend time to get to know your teammates first of all and um everyone's different everyone needs different things at different times some guys need you know high fives all the time other guys need you know a kick in the butt to say hey let's go tonight so you gotta really have to assess um you know what what everyone kind of needs and our coaches do a good job of doing that I'm just a you know another player on the team and you know I'm, I'm obviously focused on on my own game and trying to make sure that I'm playing well every night but uh yeah, if someone someone uh, on the team is, is feeling down, we've got to figure out a way to, to get him back to, to feeling the way that he should. You've had your share of injuries, but the one that the fans remember the most was when you lost some teeth. Yeah, that was uh, that one night in Nashville, probably the, the longest night of, of my life. Um, I, when I got hit there, we went back to, I went with Wes Howard to, to get the needles or to see the dentist and uh, female dentist uh, brought out this massive needle it almost went out she put it in my mouth and it almost went all the way up to my eyeball and she said okay I'm going to give you this and uh it may hurt a little bit but it'll be worth it so she put it all in and I, I started to get a little bit numb and then she took her finger and pushed my teeth that were moved they she pulled them out to try and set them into place my bottom teeth she actually saved my teeth I still I still have them um right now although they were root canaled but after that, we uh, there was no specialist or no no one could do a, a surgery or figure out what to do with my mouth. So I, we jumped in the ambulance and we went to Vanderbilt um, Hospital there, and we waited and waited and waited for a dentist uh, to come. And there was only one. So Wes was with me. He had to be the dental assistant 
while they put the wiring on my mouth. The guy that was doing it, he accidentally put it on upside down. So once it was on, he realized that he put it on the wrong way. He had to take it back off and then put it back on again. And he was, he was I've trying to freeze me so many times, but there was so little um, gum, gum space that it was just the, the freezing would wear off quickly and it wouldn't go in. So we were probably, I was probably in the, in the dentist chair for four hours, getting that thing wired on and off and back on again. And, and Wes was, was there beside me being the assistant the entire time and got back to the hotel at 3 AM and we had an early flight that, that next day, but uh, yeah, that was a miserable uh, stretch for me. You're the captain of the team now. What do you think in your estimation is the key to being a good leader in the NHL? Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, you know, the, the game has changed. The players in the game have changed. Um, you know, so I think you have to, you know, it's, it's being a good teammate, you, you have to spend time to get to know your teammates first of all. And um, everyone's different. Everyone needs different things at different times. Some guys need, you know, high fives all the time. Other guys need, you know, a kick in the butt to say, hey, let's go tonight. So you got to really have to assess, um, you know, what, what everyone kind of needs. And our coaches do a good job of doing that. I'm just a, you know, another player on the team. And, you know, I'm, I'm obviously focused on, on my own game and trying to make sure that I'm playing well every night. But uh, yeah, if someone, someone uh, on the team is, is feeling down, we've got to figure out a way to, to get them back to, to feeling the way that he should. What's the best part about being Sharks captain and playing in front of these great fans in San Jose? Ooh, I love San Jose. Um, you know, I've said it from, from day one. Uh, the Sharks fans are very, very passionate. They're kind of undercover passionate because if you're not from the area, um, if you don't spend time in California, you wouldn't really guess that or you wouldn't really think that. I obviously never knew that until I came down to, uh, to San Jose and saw it firsthand. Uh, they're very smart. They know the game well. Um, they love the game of hockey. And, you know, I see it at Sharks Ice. We, we skate there and, and those, those rinks are always full. You know, it's whether it's men's league or kids playing. Uh, the love of, game, of the game of hockey is very big out in California and San Jose especially. And, you know, with the rivalries that we've had over the years with the Ducks and the Kings and now Vegas, I think it just builds, you know, excitement for the game and it brings in new fans and brings in new players. So it's been great the last uh, 10 years for that. One of your teammates is 41 years old. Of course, we're talking about Patrick Marlowe. And this season, at game 45, assuming he plays in the mall, he will pass Gordie Howe as the all-time games played leader in the history of the NHL. Do you think that when you're 41 years of age, you're going to be playing? <laughs> uh, no, I will not be. Um, I don't know what I'll be doing at 41, but it will, it will not be uh, playing in the NHL. Um, it's crazy. I, I was sitting on the bench yesterday or the day before watching Patty in the scrimmage and I said to Ryan Donato, I said, you know, you know, it's wild. Like I remember 12 years ago, 11 years ago, when I first came in the league, he was just as fast as he is. It's just players have sped up a little bit more now, but he could, he can still fly. And he was by far the fastest player 12, 13 years ago. He would just fly by guys and he's so skilled and such a nice guy. Um, we're definitely happy that he's back. You've got a pretty busy schedule, but when you are outside of hockey, what do you like to do for enjoyment? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm a, mostly a boring person. Um, I love to read. I, uh, I like TV shows. I watch, uh, you know, movies with, uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, we just got a dog. Um, so she's been taking up a lot of, a lot of my time, um, lately, uh, and it's tough time for us to leave right now. So even though she's a dog, I definitely miss her a ton, but, uh, 
yeah, that's basically it. I, I play golf with uh, with my buddies uh, the odd time. Go to uh, go to a restaurant or or a brewery whenever uh, when those used to be open and and sit outside, have a drink, and and just hang out. What kind of dog do you have? To shoes on. She's uh, she's about seven and a half pounds. Uh, her name's Willa. She uh, she's trouble. <laughs> it sounds like it. Hey, have you ever played a musical instrument? I played uh, the trumpet in grade seven and eight, and I was not very good. Your grandfather was a guitar player, right? Yeah, it's on my dad's side of the family. They're all very, very musical. And uh, for some reason, I definitely did not get that passed down to me. I uh, can't sing. Um, I cannot play any type of musical instrument um, very well. But uh, yeah, trumpet was what I played in grade seven and eight. Do you have a favorite band or any other music that you like to listen to? Um, currently, all time, there's, I mean, I, currently I like uh, Morgan Whalen, um, country star. Uh, I'm big into country music. Um, I have been country and, and rap really is what it's how weird it sounds, but uh, country rap and R&B, um, Drake, The Weeknd. And then right now, there's so many good country singers. I know it's a little poppy, but uh, Morgan Whelan's my guy right now. I know you've had an informal book club over the course of the last few months during the pandemic. So tell us what you like to read. I like reading uh, fiction. Uh, I read uh, mystery th- thrillers. Um, what I do is I, I, I try and find a, an author that uh, that I like um, or, or a popular one. And um, I usually buy all the books from start to, to finish and go through um you know, right now, right now I am reading Baldacci and uh, Harlan Coben, and I'm on Harlan Coben's like 12th book. I did the same thing with Lee Child and Jack Reacher. Um, actually, Bernsey suggested a really good book by Jack Carr. Um, so I'm reading his uh, his series right now. Um, and then and then different stuff. I throw in some some old classics that I haven't read that I just bought. Um, so I'll get those out this season and then some mental, uh, mental thoughts, mental, mental health books and, and stuff like that. Uh, the odd time is, is helpful. You mentioned studying mental health. And I know that through the Logan Couture Foundation, you've also been taking part in some research and help for brain injuries. Give us an idea of what that annual gala is all about in Ontario and how much fun you have doing it. Sure. Yeah. So we do this casino night every year in London and uh, we did a couple in Kitchener actually, which worked out great uh, with Pete as a coach because he was, he's from that area and he coached there. So he would come and um, attend my, my events. But uh, basically my business manager and I wanted to do something charity wise to, uh, to give back to, to my hometown of, of London and uh, Eric Lindros um, did or had a big donation to uh, the Fowler Kennedy clinic. He donated, I think $5 million to this clinic there. And uh, he was, he's kind of getting ready to move, to move on. He moved outside of, of London. He's up in the, on the water now. So they were looking for, or trying to find someone that would, that would kind of take over and uh, do a, do a charity event and, and raise some money for them. So we decided that, uh, that we, we could do it. And um, so we, we decided to, to go with brain research. Um, that's what Eric was, was putting his money into, in, into. So we, we kind of just took over that and, made it, uh, made it my own. And, um, unfortunately this past summer, we couldn't do one with this pandemic. So we, we flipped, uh, the switch a little bit and we're doing an online auction on my, on my website right now, couture39.com. And I partnered with, um, a few beer companies to, to produce a, a beer with the, the proceeds going towards, 
um, brain research and then kids sport, which, uh, which helps kids that can't afford to play any sports, um, helps them get into sports and, and play and pay for their equipment and their fees and all that. So very, very uh, excited about that. And I'm proud of the work that, that we've done um, so far. We all know what winning a Stanley Cup would mean to San Jose, Logan. And, of course, all of the fans are looking forward to that opportunity, as all the players are. And I just wondered what you felt about what it would mean to people like Mike Aldrich and Mike Potenza and Ray Tufts, the Sharks' uh, equipment staff and training staff, and all of the people behind the scenes that help you guys be successful. Wouldn't it be amazing to bring that to San Jose for them as much as anybody else? It really would. Um, you know, I, I always remember this, 2016, when – when I scored in the empty, the empty netter, I got to the bench and against St. Louis there and uh, Mikey Aldridge had tears in his eyes. And um, that's something that I'll never, I'll never lose that from my, my mind. It just meant so much for a guy that's been in the game for years and years and years to, to be able to say he was, he was going to stand the cup finals. So obviously very disappointed that we didn't win it um, for everyone in the organization or ourselves as players and, all that staff, but uh, yeah, those guys work extremely hard. They don't get enough credit for what they do. Uh, you know, this setup down here in Arizona is phenomenal for all the work that they, they put into it. And we're so lucky that we have uh, some of the best in the business here in San Jose. I know that you're in the heart of the prime years of your NHL career, but uh, occasionally when you're by yourself, you just kind of pinch yourself and say, I can't believe I've been playing in the NHL for 12 years. Yes, I still can't. Um, you know, when I first started playing, I remember Danny Heatley and Jamal Mayers, guys like that, sat da- sat me down and said, hey, enjoy every single moment. You don't realize how quickly this thing goes by and it can be gone in a flash. And, you know, when you're young and you're, you're 21 and, um, you know, all you can th- really think about is playing a game and, and then getting through that day, you don't realize that what they're saying is the truth. And, um, you know, 12 years later, 11 years later, here I am and it's gone by quickly. Um, I've had a lot of, a lot of good times, a lot of good moments, a lot of good playoff runs with this organization. And I hope there's uh, there's a bunch more um, the next uh, seven years. I can tell you this, Logan, I can speak for a lot of Sharks fans to tell you that it's really important that you're the captain of this hockey club. We really appreciate you. And thanks a lot for the time today. Thanks, Rizzi. I appreciate that. The Shark Spotlight is a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.